Welcome to the Your Health, Your Way podcast, the health podcast for renegades. I'm Martha, a family nurse practitioner and the creator of the website, therenegadenp.com. I have over 10 years of clinical experience helping patients heal their bodies and feel their best. I'm here to share actionable information about integrative health, nutrition, and fitness that can get you started on your journey to optimal wellness. I'm also here to answer your questions and talk with health and wellness experts. Remember that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Welcome back to Your Health, Your Way. It has been a minute since I've recorded an episode And after taking a good long break, I'm feeling like I have some good things to cover and I have a little bit more motivation to actually do some work because that's really been missing for quite a while. So today I want to talk about a topic that has become near and dear to my heart, segmented sleeping. I will get into more details about exactly what that means shortly, but the gist of it is that you sleep in two chunks or multiple chunks rather than one long sleep. And this has become something that I care about because many months ago, I started waking up in the middle of the night and having a really hard time going back to sleep. But I discovered that if I got up and went to the couch, I could usually go back to sleep pretty quickly. But most nights I'm awake for around an hour or so between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. Even though I'm usually able to go back to sleep and end up getting a total of about seven to eight hours of sleep most nights, I actually started wondering if that one hour of awake time was problematic and maybe meant that I needed to try to get more sleep since I was doing it in two shifts. So I consulted my trusty friend, the internet, and what I discovered was actually pretty fascinating. First, let's talk about what segmented or polyphasic sleep is. Segmented sleepers divide their sleep up into segments that are anywhere from two to seven hours in a 24-hour period, and this can be done in any way that's convenient, such as one longer chunk of sleep and then several shorter naps over the course of the day, Or it could also be done in a way that's similar to what I've been doing unintentionally and sleeping for about four hours, waking up for an hour or so, and then sleeping for three to four more hours. Technically, what I'm doing is called biphasic because there are just two phases, but for simplicity's sake, I'm going to refer to all of these patterns as polyphasic or segmented. There's actually not much research on the long-term effects of these alternative sleeping patterns. However, there is a significant amount of historical context. Prior to the Industrial Revolution, most people were sleeping in two blocks of four hours with a break of about an hour in the middle of the night, and there's evidence of this dating as far back as the 15th century. A lot of the biohacking that goes along with this type of sleep pattern is the reported ability to sleep less and be awake more without feeling tired. There are a lot of people throughout history, a lot of well-known people throughout history who have used this sleep pattern to sleep less and get more done. Napoleon apparently used to sleep in two two two-hour chunks at night with a 30-minute nap during the day. Leonardo da Vinci apparently slept in multiple naps, totaling about five hours of sleep each day. I think Einstein slept in a similar pattern, um, and there's a few others. My personal opinion on this is that it should not be used to sleep less 
and accomplish more, but rather to adjust or find a pattern of sleeping that allows you to get the most sleep with the least amount of resistance. So if that means sleeping for five hours at night and then taking a couple of naps during the day to get an extra two hours, or something more like I what I do, which is usually sleep for as long as I can, wake up, read until I feel sleepy, and then go back to sleep for as long as I can. The reason that polyphasic or segmented sleep has allowed people to sleep less and not necessarily suffer the negative consequences of fewer hours of sleep is because it maximizes the amount of time you are in deep and or REM, so REM, rapid eye movement sleep, and it minimizes the amount of time you spend in light sleep. Deep sleep and REM sleep occur most frequently and for longer periods during the first half of the night. The second half of the night is more dominated by light sleep, which is when it's easier for things to wake you up. And it's actually very difficult to wake somebody up during deep sleep, which is why many people have difficulty staying asleep, but um, not so much trouble in the first half of their night when they're in deep sleep. Deep sleep is the stage of sleep that is physically restorative to your body. So when your muscles and cells repair and regenerate, REM sleep is when you typically dream and when you assimilate memories and when your brain processes information. In the early 1990s, a psychiatrist by the name of Thomas Ware did an experiment where a group of people spent 14 hours every day in complete darkness for a month. It took a little bit of time for their sleep to regulate, but by the end of this experiment, they were sleeping in two distinct segments. The first being about four hours long, then they were awake for one to two hours, and then sleeping for another four hours. Sounds familiar to you. That is exactly the way that I'm sleeping right now. In 2001, a historian named Roger Eckrich published a paper. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right. He published a paper with a huge amount of historical evidence that this is how humans used to sleep. He went on to publish a book on the topic where he cites over 500 references to segmented sleep spanning everything from diaries to court records, medical books, etc. He points out that the number of references isn't the key point here. It's actually the way they refer to this pattern of sleeping, like it was common knowledge and not something that was a novel experience. During this period of being awake in the middle of the night, people got up and read, wrote, visited neighbors, or prayed. There are many prayer manuals from the late 15th century that have special prayers specifically for the hours in between sleeps. A physician's manual from 16th century France even advised couples that the best time to conceive was after the first sleep. References to the first and second sleep started to disappear around the late 17th century, starting in upper-class northern Europe and eventually throughout the rest of Western society over the next 200 years. The initial shift is likely due to improvements in lighting and the negative connotation of being awake or out and about during the night, which is why most people stayed home and in bed doing things like reading or praying. As modern lighting continued to improve, there was an increase in all types of nighttime activity, which ultimately left people exhausted. Staying up all night and being exhausted all day came to be viewed as distasteful and self-indulgent. Combined with the increasing desire for efficiency brought on by the Industrial Revolution, the middle-of-the-night wakeful period began to be considered a pointless disruption of rest. In 1829, there was a shift in the medical literature encouraging patients to force their children out of the first and second sleep pattern. The first mention of something called 
sleep maintenance insomnia, which is the inability to stay asleep, first appears in the literature at the end of the 19th century. And it's because of this that there is some speculation that the shift away from segmented sleep has actually caused many of our modern day sleep problems. As I mentioned earlier, there are not a lot of studies done on the long-term effects of polyphasic sleep. Most of the evidence that I could find was anecdotal and only addresses the immediate impacts of this type of sleep pattern. I think it's really interesting that the first mentions of this sleep maintenance insomnia appears around the time that we started to shift away from the segmented sleep pattern and more towards one large chunk of sleep each night. Again, there is not a lot of research that I could find on this, and I always remind people that correlation doesn't equal causation, so I don't want to say that trying to sleep eight hours at once instead of two four-hour segments is the cause of this, because there are a lot of other things at play here, most notably our improvements in lighting, which we also know can affect sleep and circadian rhythm. But I do think that the correlation is interesting and worth experimenting with if you are someone who has trouble staying asleep at night. So what does this all mean? Well, first, the importance and benefits of getting adequate sleep every night is pretty clearly defined in the research. There are some instances of modern nomadic tribes that have a very long life expectancy and very few health problems, but who only sleep an average of six hours per night, which is less than the generally accepted seven to nine hours of sleep per night that is optimal for health benefits. But I do think the context of this is important as well, and the overall impacts of the other things that they're doing in their lives can't be ignored. To be fair, I didn't actually read the study, so I don't know if it talks about this or not. Um, I did just read the abstract, which I tell people not to do all the time, um, but it was not particularly relevant to this topic, so I didn't go into the nitty-gritty details of the study, but it did say that this nomadic tribe averages six hours of sleep per night and has a significant life expectancy, but I do think that the other aspects of their lifestyle is important to consider before you decide that you can only sleep for six hours. So that being said, I think that aiming for seven to nine hours of sleep per night should be the goal. And I don't think that adopting a polyphasic sleep pattern of six 30-minute naps every day so that you can have more awake hours is really a good idea. There were a couple of uh, blog posts that I read from people who tried to do this and the transition period was pretty brutal for them and they were not able to stick with it. I also don't think that if you're someone who has no trouble sleeping for eight hours straight every night that you need to do anything to change your sleep habits. But if you're somebody who struggles to get enough sleep because you can't stay asleep, shifting your sleep pattern might actually benefit you. One of the things that I see a lot in patients and something that I personally experienced, which is the whole reason that I even started researching this, is that anxiety that you feel when you wake up in the middle of the night and feel panicked because you can't go back to sleep, but you need to go to sleep because you have to get up in the morning and you need to be able to function. So my habit of just getting up and going to sleep on the couch, sometimes maybe reading for a bit until I feel like I can fall asleep again, actually alleviated that anxiety because I know now that I'm going to be able to go back to sleep relatively quickly. I also want to know you to know that you don't have to get up the only reason that I started doing that was because I would get really fidgety and toss and turn a lot while I was trying to get back to sleep, and I didn't really want to disturb my partner. 
with my uh, inability to get comfortable. So I just went and slept on the couch. Our couch is quite comfortable. I don't have a problem sleeping on it. Otherwise, I might not have been so willing to do that. He also snores, which is actually what I think maybe wakes me up when I make that shift from deep sleep, you know, the first half of my night um, where I'm in mostly deep sleep to the second half of my night where I'm in mostly um, light sleep. I I think that perhaps that was part of the thing that started waking me up was his snoring because um, it happens pretty consistently around the same time every night. And Sleeping on the couch also removes that disturbance. I don't sleep on the couch for like, I don't ever go to sleep on the couch. I only go to sleep on the couch if I wake up in the middle of the night and am not able to fall back asleep within about 10 or 15 minutes. That's when I'll get up and um, go to sleep on the couch. Sometimes I am able to go back to sleep pretty quickly without much trouble. One of the major drawbacks of segmented sleep that I did see cited several times was that the modern world of work schedules and activities uh, makes scheduling it hard because not everybody can just sleep whenever they want. So my best advice for scheduling, if you don't have a flexible schedule that makes this easy, is to work on getting to bed at a time that would allow you to have nine hours of sleep. So this will give you enough time to sleep for seven hours and have two hours in the middle of the night when you um, are awake. I also talked about sleeping on a schedule and how to move your bedtime up without disturbing your overall sleep pattern in um, episode 46, which was a couple of episodes ago titled Sleep, Stress, and Being Stressed About Stress if you need help with um, how to shift your bedtime to an earlier time and not just make it two hours earlier and then struggle with being able to fall asleep earlier. So there's a way to do that without disrupting your sleep pattern too much. Most of the information that I found about this type of sleep pattern was actually anecdotal. I read a lot of blog posts um, from people who are trying to biohack their sleep by using variations of this approach, and most people didn't stick with it because it didn't really fit their lifestyle or they were too tired to function. Um, and this is why I don't suggest trying to use it as a way to sleep less and be awake more if you don't have any issues with getting adequate sleep each night. The two approaches that did seem to work best for people were the approach that I use, so being awake for an hour or two in the middle of the night, or sleeping for a significant chunk of time at night, so five or six hours, whatever you can get, and then taking one longer nap at some point during the day. And you want to make sure that if you do this, you take your nap early enough that it doesn't affect you going to sleep at night. Um, you Otherwise, you'll end up kind of shifting your bedtime later and later and it'll just become kind of a, a cyclical sleep pattern, which again, that might work for some people. But if you're trying to schedule these things, uh, the amount of time that you need is something to keep in mind. Anecdotal evidence is not a particularly strong form of evidence. But in this case, I do think that it's worth paying attention to because it's pretty much the only information on this topic that exists. And because with something like sleep patterns, the risk of trying something that's not necessarily backed up by good research is pretty minimal. I think if you were to try this and end up not getting good sleep for even several months at a time, that is a short enough time that it's not necessarily going to affect your overall health in the long term. You would be able to shift back to your, your other pattern of sleeping um, or get longer sleep in a way that works better for you before the uh, negative effects of not getting enough sleep would impact you. So 
The big takeaway points that I'm hoping you get from this are that if you're somebody who does wake up in the middle of the night and can't get back to sleep right away, try really hard not to stress about it. Get up, spend an hour doing something like reading or listening to a podcast, and then try to go back to sleep. If you live alone or aren't worried about disturbing the people in your house, you could find some other activity to do that is doesn't require a lot of focus or attention. If you want to, I would uh, caution you against watching TV um, because the light from the TV can impact your circadian rhythm. But um, if you're able to, you know, some people, there were a couple of people that even talked about doing their meal prep in the middle of the night because it was a, an activity that required minimal focus. It wasn't something that they particularly enjoyed doing. Um, so the, the, the drive to get back to sleep was actually pretty strong because they just wanted to be done with it and go back to sleep. So if you're not worried about disturbing the people in your house, you can do something that makes noise. Um, again, I would caution against watching TV or using your phone. If you are worried about this interfering with the total amount of sleep you get, try backing up your bedtime so that you can get at least seven hours with your middle of the night wake up session included. Um, and again, I have a podcast to talk about how to back up your bedtime and not disturb your entire circadian rhythm. And if you don't have trouble with waking up in the middle of the night, I actually don't suggest switching to any method of segmented sleeping because almost everyone who did this in an attempt to biohack their sleep, as I already said, had a very painful adjustment period and wasn't able to maintain the schedule and really just didn't like the way they feel and none of them stuck with it. I think I already said that anybody who did stick stick with it um, stuck with more of the pattern that I do where they sleep and then if they wake up in the middle of the night, they just get up, they do something, and then they go back to sleep for four more hours or so. Um, and that seemed to be the most, the easiest to maintain for people. So if you're doing that naturally already, don't stress about it. Just keep doing it. Um, if you're struggling with waking up in the middle of the night, um, get up, do something for a little bit of time, and then try to go back to sleep. And I, as far as I can tell, I don't think that this has a detrimental effect on your um, sleep. You actually might benefit more from this um, than somebody who does sleep through the night because you are spending more of your total sleep time in deep sleep, which again is the physically rejuvenating part of sleep. So if you wake up and you um, are awake and then you go back to sleep, you go back into that deep sleep pattern. And in theory, morning comes before you shift to that more light sleep pattern. And something that I've actually found, I use an aura ring to track my sleep, which is something that I am going to talk more about. Um, but I discovered that this is actually the only way that I get adequate deep sleep, or most of the time, this is the only way that I get adequate deep sleep. When I sleep straight through the night, which does still happen sometimes, and I'm still trying to figure out what causes me to sleep straight through the night because I can't can't figure out what it is. Um, but when I do sleep straight through the night, it is rare that I get the um, suggested amount of deep sleep and an aura ring, any sleep tracker, anything like that is not a perfect uh, measurement, but I figure that it's consistently inconsistent. So if it's a bad measurement, it's always the same amount of bad. So it's at least, I'm assuming, consistent from night to night. So um, whatever it thinks is deep sleep for me, it always thinks is deep sleep. So it's, I think the percentage is Oh, like 11 to 15% of your total sleep should be deep sleep. And I average, 
if I sleep straight through the night, I typically average like 9 to 11%. But if I sleep in two chunks, so if I sleep for my four hours and I get up and I'm awake for 45 minutes or an hour and then I go back to sleep, I typically get around 15% of my sleep is deep sleep. So again, if you are sleeping straight through the night, I honestly would not worry about this. But if you're somebody that struggles with maintaining a consistent sleep, this is this could actually be beneficial to you um, if you work on sleeping in two chunks rather than falling asleep, waking up, falling asleep, waking up. Um, so I hope that was helpful. That is all I've got for you for this episode. Um, I hope this has given you something a little different to try if you're somebody that struggles with sleep. If you do try segmented sleeping, I would love to know how it works out for you. Um, you can find me on Instagram or um, which I'll put a link in the show notes to that. Or you can send me an email at hello at therenegadenp.com um, and let me know how it went. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. 